What's going on, guys? So welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of the Within Podcast. Today we have a special and awesome guest that uh, I, I didn't even know this was going to happen. And for whatever reason, we made the connection and, and it happened. So today we have Russ Diamond. He's a state representative. I'm so happy. I'm so <laughs> honestly, I'm so happy to have him today. Um, and I'm going to let Russ introduce himself, kind of like give a little bit of a background of what he has done in the past and what he's currently doing. Then we're going to tap into the topic of leadership. And, and the story of how he went from being an entrepreneur to into politics. And so, Russ, thank you so much for being here today. Sure. Uh, so uh, just as a matter of introduction, I'm the state representative for the 102nd District, which is basically the northern and eastern part mm-hmm. of Lebanon County. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some of the southern part as well. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of the city of Lebanon at all. So okay. I've got mostly rural areas. Fort Indian Town Gap is in my district. The mm-hmm. VA hospital is in my district. Myerstown, Schaeferstown, Fredericksburg, Jonestown, mm-hmm. uh, Anvil, and Cleona. Pretty much have almost everything around, around the city, <laughs> except for North Cornwall Township. Um, and, and uh, you know, I represent 63,000 people. Every state representative wow. in Pennsylvania represents 63,000 people. Wow. There's 203 of us, actually 202 now because one seat is empty because okay. a member resigned and they got a whole special election to okay. fill that seat. So uh, I work with 203 Two, usually three, 203, 202 other people mm-hmm. in Harrisburg to try to formulate laws wow. and policies for the entire 12.8 million citizens of Pennsylvania, wow. which when you really think about it is a very, very sobering thing to do. Mm-hmm. Everything we do in Harrisburg potentially touches the lives of 12.8 million people. Wow. Yeah. And, and so how do you go from being an entrepreneur, and I want to hear a little bit more of your background in entrepreneurship. How do you go from that to being to what you're doing right now? Well, we might want to start by how I became an entrepreneur. Let's go. Um, okay. You know, I got out of high school. I didn't go to college. Okay. I got out of high school and I got a job at at, at a hotel, you know, working yeah. in a restaurant and running room service. And then after that, I went to uh, work at a music store selling guitars and that sort of thing. And I'm a musician. Okay. I was, I've always been a musician. Uh, after that, I got a job in a factory. I worked there for yeah. seven years. Um, and then an opportunity came along to actually become a semi-professional musician. Okay. Uh, so I, I left my job at the factory and i think that was 1990 i did that so i was 27 years old Mm -hmm. and kind of went on the road with a band for two years really and uh we you know we did the usual band on the road stuff we wrote our own songs and we actually went into a studio and recorded our own songs and quite frankly i was dissatisfied with the quality of the product when we came out of the studio yeah and that's what inspired me to become an entrepreneur Mm. uh (laughs) i ended up uh, opening my own studio because although we went into a great studio with great equipment because we were short on money just like everybody yeah. else is it's like well you gotta you gotta just get in and get out and i thought well i think i can do a little bit better for musicians maybe even by charging them less and with less equipment 
And it turns out I was able to do that. I made mm-hmm. a name for myself regionally as a producer and an engineer. Nice. Um, from there, I got into, you know, my, my customer said, now this was long before yeah. digital music, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my customers told me they were having a hard time getting cassettes duplicated, mm-hmm. short runs of cassettes. You mm-hmm. could always get a thousand or 500 yeah. or that sort of thing. But most of my clients wanted 50 or a hundred that they could yeah. sell off stage at their shows that yeah. time. So I set up, I built, Mm-hmm. And set up a system to record short runs of cassette tapes for my clients. Then I, of course, I got into doing all the cover art and, and that sort of thing, the design. Mm-hmm. Uh, very shortly thereafter, then uh, I got into um, the same kind of thing for compact discs. Now, mm-hmm. I did invest a little bit too early in the compact disc recording yeah. business. When I first got into it, the blank disc cost $35 a piece. Oh, wow. You know, oh, yeah. now you now you go to Staples, you buy them for a nickel. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Um, so I got into that really early, hmm. but I got lucky too in that at the same time I got into doing compact disc duplication, I also got on the internet and I was one of the only uh, companies who duplicated short runs of compact discs yeah. and cassettes who was on the internet at the time. Now, there were some bigger players out there, such as Disc Makers and Oasis. Those were big names in the compact yeah, disc sure. business. But I was just a local guy. But And this was, you know, I have to understand, this is before Google was a paid kind of thing. Wow. You had to pay to get on the top of Google. So I ended up number three on Google worldwide for <laughs> compact disc and CD duplication. So I did a ton of business and really had a lot of success between... 1999 and 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. uh, producing discs for other musicians. And actually, I, I closed down the recording part of my studio because it just took up a lot of space. Yeah. And there was a lot more money to be made in, in, uh, uh replicating compact mm-hmm. discs. And then, of course, you know, everybody started downloading digital and that sort of thing. That market changed. So I had to find another way to diversify. So I got into DVDs. I got into video production uh, and, and that sort of thing. Okay. So that's the story of how I became an entrepreneur. And it, some of it's <clears throat> taking risks. Yeah, yeah. Other of it is just being at the right place at the right time. Mm. And, you know, what, what as, aspiring entrepreneurs need to remember is that no matter what opportunity you see in front of you, showing up is 90% of the battle. That's I mean, you just have to be there. Yeah. I mean, if you're not there, you have no chance to succeed. Yeah. But if, you, if you're if you there and yeah. you show up at different places, eventually something's going to click for you. That's so <clears throat> talking about being at the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. in 2003, um, I was coming off like a personal divorce. And, mm-hmm. and I was... I was looking for something to do outside of my business because my business consumed 24-7 my time. And you needed needed something else. Mm -hmm. So I bumped into somebody who had run for state representative uh, on a third-party ticket. And um, I knew the guy. I liked the guy. um, But he didn't seem savvy about all political issues, that sort of thing. And I thought, well, if he could do that, why couldn't? I do that. So just on a whim and just for something to do, I Mm -hmm. ran for state representative. 
I got my hat handed to me. I mean, I got creamed. I really did. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot about campaigning. I learned a lot about the issues. I learned about a lot about, well, okay, what are people looking for in a candidate? That sort of thing. And um, it just so happened that the very next year, the Pennsylvania State Legislature uh, gave itself a, a massive pay raise. It was unconstitutional in five different ways. They did it in the middle of the night. They left town afterwards uh, and the public became extremely, extremely angry. Yeah. So using the experience that I had being on the internet in my business, the, the little political run that I had, I thought I put them two together. And I talked to my nephew who owns a pizza shop who pays no attention to politics <laughs> whatsoever. And he was upset. Wow. I thought, if he's upset, that's something that can be tapped yeah, into. So I took that, my skills, and I put them mm-hmm. together, and I started this group called PA Clean Sweep. Mm-hmm. And what I did, and, and there were a lot of groups that were protesting against that pay raise, mm-hmm. uh, but I did something that no other group did. Mm-hmm. I actually went across the state, and I recruited candidates mm-hmm. to run for the General Assembly in the next election cycle in 2006. Our group ended up doing something that no one outside of a political party has ever done. We recruited over 113 candidates for legislative office. Um, We eventually, and it doesn't sound like a big number, but it is a big deal for a non-political party. 13 of our candidates got elected to the House of Representatives, including my predecessor, Rosemary Swanger. Um, Along the way, we also... um, started a campaign against um, Supreme Court judges who were up for for retention in the interim. Mm. And we did that because the Supreme Court had made a ruling that made that pay raise possible and that sort of thing. So we did the first time in history, Pennsylvanians (laughs) did not retain a Supreme Court justice. So we knocked the Supreme Court justice off the bench. There were two on the ballot that year. We we came very close to getting both of them not retained. Wow. Uh, one of them one of them got I think it was like 005 percent <laughs> of the vote. She won by yeah. and was retained by. Yeah. And she later actually quit, yeah. uh, resigned from the Supreme Court, saying the job wasn't fun anymore. <laughs> uh, but it was the first time in history that that happened. Yeah. And we knocked out. Uh, uh, it, it's not our all our. Uh, a responsibility for what happened that year. Yeah. But what happened that year was, it, it was amazing. The minority whip of the state house got defeated. The majority leader of the state senate got defeated. Mm. The president pro temp of the <laughs> senate got defeated. And 55, you know, all in total, 55 legislators either got defeated yeah. or resigned because they saw the wave that was coming. Yeah. It was the biggest turnover in the Pennsylvania General Assembly in decades. Wow. Uh, where generally, in a usual election year, there's about a 2% turnover, you yeah. know, people leaving and new yeah. people replacing them. That year, we had 24% oh, turnover. Wow. It was huge. Oh, yeah. It really was. And the Wall Street Journal called it a political earthquake. <laughs> um, so that I really got some political notoriety yeah, uh, doing that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I, I ran for a couple of other offices after that. I ran for state house again in 2008, got beat handily again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, uh, I was on the ballot for lieutenant governor mm-hmm. on the Republican uh, ticket in uh, 2010. I got beat handily there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of that I did to try to because there were 
there were people, political mm-hmm. insiders, mm-hmm. who really did not like me because I what what I've done, yeah. what I did, you know, during the yeah. pay raise cycle. Yeah. So I kind of did those things and ran for office again to rehabilitate my political reputation sure. with those kind of people to let them know that I'm not just this rabble rouser oh, yeah. standing outside throwing rocks, yeah. but I'm a guy who can be worked with. I'm reasonable. That yeah, you want to negotiate. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, in 2014, then, and, and, and I'll tell you that before I won uh, this office, an mm-hmm. election to this office, I lost seven elections. Wow. Yeah. So th- that's another thing for ent- entrepreneurs to yeah. realize is that don't give up because eventually lightning might strike and you might actually, yeah. <laughs> you might actually succeed. Yeah. So in 2014, I was successful in getting elected to this yeah. office despite a lot of opposition from quote unquote the establishment. And um, mm-hmm. since then, I, you know, I've, I've been doing this job representing 63,000 people um, and trying to do the best for all Pennsylvanians, trying to balance the interests of my constituents yeah. versus the other 12.735 <laughs> million wow. Pennsylvanians. And uh, I, I really love the job. I really love mm-hmm. having an, an impact on statewide policy. Yeah. I love the debates. I love all the things that I can yeah. learn. I mean, there's so many things that yeah. you learn about here. You can't be an expert in everything, no, but no. you can learn a lot. And I, I got to apologize. I'm getting a little warm. So go I'm going to take ahead. my sweatshirt no, go off. Ahead, go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So, so that's my story of how I became an entrepreneur, how that morphed into getting into politics and, yeah. and the road that, that brought me to where I'm at here yeah. today. Yeah. So then some two questions came to my mind while you were telling the story. First of all, do you think that maybe the way you grew up moved you to be the person you are today? Because I feel that in a way, like not everybody has that ability from uh, going to high school to then becoming an entrepreneur, creating your own business, doing good in business, and then moving to the political sphere. And also being so consistent, like wanting to get it done, wanting to make things happen. So do you feel that maybe something in your childhood uh spark that desire to just move forward and just like be better you, you know i i have to say both my parents were always very supportive of whatever i wanted to do no matter how stupid it was they were very <laughs> supportive i mean but my dad would be very cautionary and he goes well here yeah, you know, here's yeah, the sure. pitfalls that sort yeah. of thing but when i wanted to be a musician my dad bought me a guitar Mm. Uh, when, whenever I said, I want to do this, I want to do that. My mom was always like, you could do anything you want. Just remember where you came from, the values. You know, my, my family taught me a lot of really good, wholesome values. You know, when I was 13 years old, um, the, uh, the refugees from the Vietnam war were housed at Fort Mm. Indian town gap. And my family sponsored four adult And we all lived in a tiny ranch house together. There was, you know, we had five kids in our family. So there was 11 people living in this tiny ranch house. And we really got acquainted. And and all along, all during my childhood, uh, my parents would, like, if I had a friend who needed something, or my brother had a friend who needed a place to sleep, they were always opening up their doors to other people. So it was always like, look, if somebody needs help, reach out and yeah, help them. Yeah. But they were also always supportive of, of what I wanted to do, too. So, so I, I think that's very important. Yes. And I think, though, that everybody, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what they're upbringing, mm-hmm. has an opportunity to do mm-hmm. uh, to succeed in life. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I yeah. don't think that my look, there are some situations that really impact people that happen to them yeah, where sure. they're young. There's no doubt about yeah. that. But I think that if you could find a way to move on from that, I don't think there's anything yeah. that can stop anybody yeah. who simply just keeps trying. Yeah. And, and that's what I've done in my, all, all through, you know, every different career I've had. Because yeah. one of the things I didn't mention is that in between being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. becoming a politician, mm-hmm. I had kind of like given up like half my business, mm-hmm. uh, uh, because I was, it, it, I was at a point where I didn't need a physical space to do my business. Yeah. So I could do it on a laptop, yeah. but I also needed something to do. I always need something to do. Yeah. I need a project. <laughs> I so yeah. I got a job driving truck over the road, really? ran my business from the cab of that truck with my laptop, wherever I had an internet connection. I did that for a year and a half and then ran my campaign that eventually got me elected. I ran that from the cab of my truck. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so it, it, it's a matter of being driven. Yeah. It's a matter of yeah. just stick to yeah. It's a matter of just like putting your no- nose to the yeah. grindstone and just keep trying. And uh, believe me, look, lots of people told me I would fail. I just never listened. I, I'm not a good listener. Thank when you. Thank you. When, when it comes that. to people saying negative things, I'm yeah. like, okay, whatever. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, fine, just watch me. You yeah. know, <laughs> the haters, the haters. But um, something else that came to my mind while, while you were telling your story is that how much or how important do you feel that are, um, that is to have the ability to connect with people? Because at the end of the day, being a businessman and being a politician is about connecting with people how important is that for you it's extremely important because everything you do in life ends up being predicated on relationships Mm. and whether it's uh i'm trying to convince a band to come into my studio to record they have to be able to look me in in the eye and maybe listen to some samples of what i've done Mm. and and trust me that it's like Mm. hey dudes Come on in. I know you've had a bad experience mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let me show you what I can do. And, and maybe even being, um, um, you know, offering them something just as a test, as a sample, yeah. that sort of thing. But it's all predicated on personal relationships. And it's the same in politics as well. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't possibly get anything done in Harrisburg if I don't have some sort of personal, friendly, trusting relationship. Yeah with my colleagues. And that's not just the colleagues on my side of the aisle. It's more yeah. than my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. In fact, where I sit on the house floor in Harrisburg mm-hmm. is odd because I said I'm a Republican, yeah. but I sit on the democratic side <laughs> because we have too many Republicans yeah. just to stay. So I have always chosen to sit amongst the Democrats mm. because I think it's very important to continue those personal relations. Yeah. Even though we don't see eye to eye on every policy yeah. idea, there are times where we can see eye to eye and focus on what we yeah. have in common yeah. rather than our differences to actually get something good done. Yeah. yeah. So in that same note, how what can what advice can you give people who, who like to connect with those who may not share the, their same ideas, but you say, hey, like this is what I do. Because mm-hmm. in my case, Whenever I meet with someone, whether I agree with their lifestyle, values, whatever, or not, I still have a conversation with them. Yeah, so yeah. Is I, there I, anything I, that you do that Absolutely. You? you figure out 
what the commonalities are. You mm. got to find out the common ground. We we had a little dust up a couple of weeks back yeah. about uh, in the house about a prayer someone offered, yeah. and, and it happened to offend some people who were there because yeah. it was the first day we were swearing in a, a Muslim female mm. representative. So there's this kind of like battle between Christian and Muslim ideals, yeah. and yeah. it got blown way out of proportion. Yeah. And what I tried to do is I tried to get those two ladies together because here's what I saw. Two women who are serious about their faith, yeah. two women who are mothers, who are family leaders, and try to get them together and talk about their commonalities and defy what everybody in the media and the, yeah. I don't know, the, the, the Vox Populi yeah. wants to divide us on. Yeah. Try to get them to, to talk about their commonalities yeah. and, and, and show people that yeah. we can come together, even as divided as we are in America right now. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to ask you about that. Um, is there anything that you have thought that could be a solution to that in America, the divide that there is? Do you think there's anything that can be done to fix Yeah, that? yeah. Uh, put down the internet and go talk to your neighbor. <laughs> Honest God. And, and, it is, and yeah, it's true. It, it really is true. I mean, uh, a couple of weeks ago, our power went out in our neighborhood yeah. <laughs> uh, for close to four hours. Oh, wow. Okay. People came out of their houses. They talked to their neighbors. It's unfortunate that that doesn't happen until the power goes out. Yeah, true. Uh, I, I think it's a sad commentary on our society that, you know, even even sometimes you get together at family events and it's like, well, why didn't you just put on the invitation? Let's get together and look at our phones in the same room. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like to just put the electronics away, true. focus on people, true. talking to people face to face. Um, and, and I think that, I think that these gadgets and gizmos everybody carries around is starting to ruin our social abilities. Yeah. I, because when you sit down one on one, like yeah. we are across a table here, yeah. I see you as a person. Yeah. I don't see you as some podcast guy yeah. off in the distance that I don't have a relationship. Yeah. I see this as a potential. Yeah, a potential relationship yeah. that can have some great things coming out of yeah. it. You don't get that when you're only talking to somebody with your thumbs. No. You, you just don't. Yeah. You know. I have a philosophy that I say to people and my friends: the person in front of me is more important than the person on my phone. Absolutely. So if I'm with you, and there's someone trying to talk to me over here, I'm gonna focus on you because you're present here. Right. So sometimes I feel like people forget that, um, like. Oh, yeah, because I have to reply or I have to do this. Yeah. I have to be in the Internet. And, and I really like what you said. Put down the Internet and just go yeah. out and talk to the person yeah. next And, to and you. the thing is, you don't have to reply instantly. No. That's the beauty of these devices is you can reply when it's convenient and fitting yeah. for you. Yeah. It doesn't have to be right now. It yeah. really doesn't have yeah. to be. Yeah. And, and um, something that uh, I was thinking of when, whenever we were talking about, you know, your political career and everything that it's happening right now. A guy like me who eventually, uh, one of my desires is to enter the political realm mm -hmm. um, in the future. Just don't run against me, okay? No, no, I don't. <laughs> you know what? Now, now that you said so. I oh, here we go. Good. All right. All right. No, I kidding. knew this was going to be opposition <laughs> research. No, no. no. And we, we have to be careful because this is my legislative office, so we can't talk about actual uh but uh, political campaign oh, no, no, stuff no, in no, here. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but I was going to ask for advice in, in, like, yeah. in, in sense of future reference. Like, 
what advice would you give someone like me who wants to eventually get into the political world? Uh, first of all, grow your skin about 12 inches thicker. <laughs> because what happens is when people get involved politically is they either, well, if they go against mm -hmm. what the quote-unquote establishment is, mm -hmm. they get beat up. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of long knives coming at you, mm -hmm. and I I've survived that. And it's only because I got a thick skin. Yeah. And I think that's because I did overcome a lot of things when, when I was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I knew it's like, no, no, you got to stay focused on the goal yeah. rather than these little side battles. Yeah. But, uh, anybody who gets involved politically needs to have a real thick hide. Mm. Um, because no matter where you're at politically, If you're in a political position, there at least half the people are going to hate you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just just at face value because yeah. you're in a different party than them. Yeah. Uh, um. So so that's the first thing. The other thing, the other piece of advice I would have is work on your personal skills. You know, if you if you don't if you don't have a knack for just finding commonality in your everyday conversations with regular people, you're going to have a hard time politically. I mean, you've got to do that because without being able to have something in common to talk about, yeah. um, you're going to be left with just your differences politically. Yeah. So you, you got to find common, Definitely. commonality. Definitely. Um, what is the future looking like for you? What is the future of Ross Diamond looking like in the next five I, years? I, I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, I am, um, and, and I've rediscovered lately a, a little bit uh, within my faith about trying to listen to what God's telling me, mm. and awesome. um, it, it's been an amazing journey here just in the last few months mm. uh, where it It feels like I'm being driven somewhere and I'm not doing the planning. Um, mm -hmm. And I am just trying to figure out the best way to listen to God mm -hmm. and tell him or not tell him, mm -hmm. uh, just hear what he has planned for me. Because one of the things I found out through all the little twists and turns yeah. my, my life has taken is yeah. that we plan and God chuckles, yeah, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to incorporate the way he sends messages to me mm -hmm. into my everyday life so that I'm doing, I think what he's telling me to do without him having to remind me all the yeah. time. So I have no idea what's going to happen in the next five years for yeah. me. Uh, I may find a better road, better mm -hmm. avenue to pursue whatever his grand scheme plan is yeah. for me. And, and to use me as as his instrument that's not in politics. Uh, it may be within politics. It may be in some totally different field whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I try not to plan too yeah. uh, too concretely yeah. because I've learned the hard way that when you make concrete plans, yeah. if they're too concrete, yeah. you are your feet are just stuck and you're not able to dodge and zig and zag where the most opportune times are. So I have no idea what's uh, in the future for the next five years for me mm -hmm. as, as, as far as you yeah. know, what I do for a living or anything yeah. like that. I love that answer. And um, I think that uh, it teaches me myself, not even <laughs> that people that are listening to, are going to be listening to this, but myself that 
give yourself that space to yes. let God guide you because at the end of the day, yeah. um, you may have a plan, but he's like, hey, you should go this way because this is where I want you to that's go. Right. So, that's right. And if you're too, if you're too, if you're too glued to your own plan, you you can't possibly hear. And, you know, I understand this is kind of like some mm-hmm. people, some people don't like believe in faith yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing. And I get that. But yeah. for me, it's a very important yeah. thing is that I, I want my life to be uh, driven by yeah. something that is more important than me yeah. and my self-satisfaction. Yeah. So it's very important for me to not keep myself so glued in some kind of mm-hmm. one track plan. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be flexible. Yeah. I need to be flexible. So, <laughs> I'm the same. Uh, so I don't know how that's, how that's going to pan out for me. And uh, I have a lot of faith that, that God will figure it out yeah. and will tell me yeah. in enough time for me to make that turn yeah. whenever, whenever it comes up as a fork in the yeah. road. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so right before we finish the interview, we're going to play two games and then I have one more question for okay. you. That will be it. Um, the first game, as I said earlier, three words, you repeat something back. Okay. Hear that word. So I'm going to start with um, business. Common sense. Relationships. Lasting. Oh, nice. Um, future. Who knows? <laughs> and then the uh, second game is five questions. All you have to do, lie to me. All I got to do is lie to you. That's See, it. now you have to understand that I know people have different opinions yeah. about politicians. It's yeah. difficult for me to, to, to come up with <laughs> lies because I'm not used to doing it. Because, and this is one of the other things I've learned mm-hmm. by being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and, and stumbling over my own two feet in life quite often is that it's a lot of work to lie. <laughs> it is. Because once you tell one lie, you've got to tell another one to cover up that other lie. And it's like, it keeps going. And, and, and I learned quite early in life and my parents instilled that in me yeah, too yeah. it's like don't lie because it just makes i don't have the energy the, i don't have yeah. the energy to cover up lies that i told it's like wait what what did i yeah, tell that person because yeah, you have to match it you yeah have to so match it. <laughs> just to clarify this is a game it is a game. i'm not used to lying no. but i will i will attempt yeah. to lie yeah. to answer every question you say yeah, i play this game with all my guests and it's always interesting to see that their reaction um to that to the last okay uh, to the last game. So I'm going to start with what color is this room? It's red. Uh, what time is it? It's probably about six in the morning. Uh, <laughs> um, what's your name? Fred. Um, what are we drinking? Coffee. Have you played this game before? No. <laughs> Oh, I didn't lie. I didn't lie. Oh, nice, nice, Again, nice, yeah. nice. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's, yes, I played this game before. <laughs> this is how it goes. That's a good ending yep. for the game. Yep, yep. That's great. Um, and then the last question is, um, if you had the opportunity to grab your phone and give yourself a phone call 10 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, and give, and you have one minute to talk to yourself, to your younger self, and give yourself an advice, what would you tell yourself? Uh, I would tell myself, stop. How many years ago? 10, 20, 30 years ago? It doesn't make issues. I would say, mm-hmm. don't worry what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. Pursue what you want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, external validation is not something that's worthwhile in the long run. Mm-hmm. What matters 
is what you think of yourself. Always make the decisions that will make you proud of yourself and what you stand for. That's awesome. Well, Ross, thank you so much. Thank you. For the interview, it was really good. Guys, again, just listen to this. Take all the advice you can and apply, because at the end of the day, it's not just listening, but also applying what you listen to. And so thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I'll see you until next time.